It is time around the nest for another week. Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays minor league organization from affiliate to affiliate. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler, voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. And let's start up this week immediately. Let me bring on number one, the number one broadcaster and number one in my heart, the voice of the people, Tyler Murray with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tyler, how are you? Well, after that introduction, Jesse, how could I be anything but wonderful? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm saying number one because I just read Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just in the new updated recount of the prospects for Baseball America, number one prospect in baseball. Your thoughts? I think it's well-deserved. I, I figured uh, it would happen after uh, Ronald Acuna went up and, uh, you know, uh, Otani and Glaber Torres, they went up as well. So it's not as if Vlad is the number one by default. I think it's just a, a much easier debate to have. He was in the mix, I think. A lot of folks would have put him number one, but uh, with the numbers he's put up, with the consistency he's shown, and living up to, and I think somehow, beyond all expectation, exceeding the hype, it's, uh, it's well-deserved for him to be number one, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. Was there any part of you which said, you know what, I hope we have him as we get into June, and hey, it's June 1st, and he's still with your Fisher Cats? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, offensively, I don't think there's any debate that he's proven everything he's going to prove here in AA, so um, we really do take every day um, as if, well, this could be the last day Vlad is here, so we, we better enjoy watching him hit. Uh, I think it was fair to expect that he would be in double-A for the first two months, but here we are the first day of June, so you really never do know when it's going to end here. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on the exact midway point of the season. It's not exactly the all-star break this year. It's uh, July 9th is when it begins here in the Eastern League. But um, our manager, John Schneider, um, it seems like he's expecting to have him still here for most of the year. And a lot of folks have said, Jesse, that it's a, a comfort thing for Vlad. He's hitting so well here. He loves the manager, John Schneider. He's here with Bo Bichette. They'd love to keep those guys together if they can. Andy, for me, and the position player coach, has been great working with Vlad and helping him out. Our new hitting coach, Hunter Mentz, has been phenomenal. So there's a comfort factor here for a 19-year-old kid that uh, maybe the Blue Jays don't want to pry him out of uh, before they have to. So I think that's a consideration as well. What do you think has been your best tweet so far this season? <laughs> what a question. Um, well, uh, I will give uh, my, my broadcast partner and uh, our on-field MC Tyler Zickel, the credit here. Um, I'm sure you remember on Instagram when Vlad Jr. Uh, tweeted a picture of him from JFK Airport um, when the Blue Jays were playing the Mets, and everybody thought it was a picture of him arriving to join the big league club. And it was a, a whole story. Where is Vlad? Is he here? Is he still in double-A? So uh, Tyler Zickel's uh, post was uh, for the lineup. Instead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he had our three-hitter as Carmen Vladiego, as in Carmen San Diego, and he doctored up a, a Photoshop image of Vlad wearing uh, the uh, signature trench coat and hat of Carmen San Diego. Um, but yes, last night at midnight, using uh, the LeBron meme to uh, poke fun at the, uh, the the Vlad Jr. call him up or keep him down debate, that was a, that was a fun one too. And most recently, too, suddenly a burner account came out. I'm sorry, an alleged burner account for a New Hampshire Fisher Cats Twitter handle uh, that's been brilliant in defending everything that you guys do. And also, I believe it noted that you have the handsomest broadcast crew in the Eastern League. 
Yeah, Jesse, I don't know anything about whoever you're talking about aside from everything he says seems to be correct. And uh, I, I fully support NH-FCATSVLADJUNIOR FOREVER603 on Twitter, and I, I think he's, uh, he's got the right idea. <laughs> Joined by the voice of the people, my friend Tyler Murray, broadcasting for the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats and the Blue Jays organization. The theme for this week's show is comebacks, especially because there was Buffalo walking off. There has been the Lansing Lugnuts with some wild wins just over the course of this past week. But it was your New Hampshire Fisher Cats that started everything. They've been the comeback cats this year. And so a question for you, what memorable comebacks stand out to you just looking back upon the first two months of the season? Yeah, that's really defined the team this year. When the Fisher Cats score first, they're 23-4, and four, best record in the league. When they score last, they have 20 wins. They're 20-8, and eight, so um, they really know how to make things happen toward the end of the game. And uh, my favorite comeback is a game they actually didn't win. They were down by three, heading to the ninth inning, and they got three runs, including a game-tying pinch-hit homer from Kevin Biggio, who continues to be the breakout story of the season. He tied the game with a two-run blast in the ninth. The Fisher Cats eventually lost in the tenth uh, to a team led by Juan Soto, who spent maybe half a minute in double-A. But it, it's a cliche. You hear it a lot for good teams, for bad teams. But the Fisher Cats are the real deal in terms of always being in a ball game. They are in every single game they've played. I could maybe count on one hand or uh, half of a hand how many games they've been blown out of and uh, – it's, it's been a blast to watch uh, every day of the week. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Biggio with some late heroics, and not the only time he's done it this year. Let me bring up a bad memory for you. That was the walk-off that wasn't, when you had to suddenly put water on the fire because on game day, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walked it off, but in real life, he, he didn't quite do that. Yes. Um, so our usually trusty stat computer gentleman, uh, for some reason, thought a hard line drive to the left fielder to end the game was actually a uh, home run over the left field fence to win the game. Um, so my initial reaction after calling the final out and then looking at my phone to see that uh, the official stat said something completely different than what I had said is, oh, my goodness, I'm getting fired. I just missed a walk-off home run call by Vladimir Guerrero Jr., so uh, I was, in the end, relieved that the mistake wasn't on my end. You put it perfectly. There were some fires to put out and some explaining to do on Twitter. But uh, thank goodness we have that platform to be able to talk directly to our wonderful fans who support us even in times of crisis like that. So that was, uh, that was an interesting night. From Vladdy, let's talk about Jordan Romano, because you and I talking right before the show went on, you were telling me about his changeup. He has gone up to another level that maybe folks didn't realize he had, but suddenly here's one of the top pitching prospects in the Blue Jays organization. It's been awesome. He's 8-0 here with a 2.04 ERA, and I think he pitched well enough in Buffalo for that spot start where uh, the Blue Jays would have been fine keeping him up there, but the plan all along, I guess, was to have him do one start in Buffalo while Patrick Murphy made his double-A debut here and then move both guys back down to their uh, normal levels after that. But, yeah, trying to get a feel for Jordan Romano early in the season. You talk with him, you talk with pinching coach Vince Horseman. His first start on uh, the 6th of April, he allowed two runs in five innings. You know, a fine start, nothing special. But then his second outing, Three-hit shutout in seven innings with seven Ks and no walks. So we're talking to the pitching coach, Vince Horseman. What's different? We said, well, he threw 25 change-ups. 25 change-ups. 
for a guy who's just been working that into his arsenal the last couple of years, that's a huge number. It's an encouraging number. And I know every starting pitcher would love to add another you know, weapon to their arsenal and become a three or maybe even a four-pitch pitcher. But the fact that Jordan has already seemingly mastered the changeup to go along with his great slider, which was usually his only put-away pitch, it's been remarkable. So he's uh, fully evolved into a three-pitch pitcher, and Eastern League hitters are having a whole lot of trouble to figure out uh, what's coming next, fastball, slider, or changeup. Something we've done in previous years on Around the Nest is at the conclusion of every month, we name a player and a pitcher for each affiliate. Would I be wrong in assuming Vladdy Jr. and Jordan Romano, your pitcher and player, not respectively, but for the month of May for New Hampshire? I would say so, and I just saw the uh, ballots for player of the month here in the Eastern League, and Vlad leads pretty much every offensive category of the 15 to 20 candidates. He has the best batting average, runs scored, RBIs, home runs, OPS, and I'm missing something else in there. But there is a 99% chance that you're going to hear about Vlad winning player of the month on Monday unless there's a stat I'm not seeing correctly. So that is certainly the Fisher Cats player of the month, if not uh, the entire league's player of the month. So it's been uh, quite, a, quite a run for him, although he finally broke that 37-game uh, on-base streak just a couple of days ago. Find Tyler Murray on Twitter at LT underscore underscore Murray, New Hampshire Fisher Cats at Fisher Cats and NHFisherCats.com. He is the voice of the people. Tyler, thank you very much for your time today. Jesse, thanks a lot, and uh, keep up the great work. We'll talk to you very soon, my friend. Yes, sir. And from Tyler Murray in AA, let's go down the ladder to single-A Lansing, where I'm joined now by Dante DiCaria. But first, let's listen to some Lansing Lugnuts drama from this past week. And we're going to begin last Saturday. The Lansing Lugnuts were taking on the Fort Wayne Tin Cats. They were down 10-3, going to the bottom of the sixth inning. They were down 10-5, going to the bottom of the ninth inning. And the Lansing Lugnuts found a way to not only come back in the ninth, but back again in the tenth against Fort Wayne. The 1-0. So Tio hits it on the ground. This is the second Ruiz. Botches it! And the Lansing Lugnuts win the ballgame! So Tio Mob to the right of second base in the infield. Lansing wins it 12-11 in the bottom of the 10th inning on an error botched by the second baseman Ruiz. That dog pile carries it to shallow left center field. Lugnuts win it. That's the ball game. See you later. Dante, that game on Saturday, let's begin right there. We're talking comebacks today. Tell me about that game. Well, the one thing that Noberto Obeso pointed out in a post-game interview after another walk-off win yesterday was the fact that he went back to that uh, walk-off win 12-11, the final score over the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And the one thing that he mentioned was that we got all of our hits with two outs. We did not stop. We grinded out all the at-bats. We got ourselves into hitters' counts. And, I mean, that's pretty much the only way you could say it. They did not back down. What amazes me the most is the fact that they scored all those runs with two outs. So it was quite an amazing comeback, probably one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen. The Lansing Lugnuts winning it, taking it 12-11 to 11 in the bottom of the 10th inning. That'd be all well and good, except they did it again yesterday, and here's how it sounded. Tying run is 90 feet away. Lake County's bullpen is watching. They're putting their hopes onto Junis. Deals the one-two. Young swings, grounds it up the middle. Eladi to his left, stopped it, but he can't make a play. That brings in Obeso. We are tied. Five to five in the bottom of the ninth. 
on an RBI infield single by the man they call Hollywood. Large the runner at first, Brock Lundquist the batter. Lundquist could tie this game up with one mighty swing. We're still waiting for the first Midwest League batter to reach 10 homers this year. Brock sitting on nine. Eccles sets and fires. Swung out and drilled to deep right field. Back goes Benson out the wall. You can kiss it goodbye. Tie game. There is your first Midwest leaguer to 10 dingers. Seven to seven in the 10th. I gotta be dreaming or something. One out the pitch. Obeso rips it, right center field, that's a base hit! Taylor comes in to score, and the Lugnuts win it on a walk-off! Obeso is chased into left center field with a Gatorade shower, now he's mobbed, a dog pile with his teammates, he finally gets the shower on two buckets, poured on him by his teammates, the Lugnuts walk it off, 8-7 to seven the final score. That's the ball game. See you later. Dante DeCaria getting a chance to say see you later twice in one week. Dante, how was that <laughs> last night? It was pretty amazing. And again, the team decided to grind out at bats. You look at that base hit up the middle by Chavez Young that was kind of stopped by the infielders. And again, it seems like over the seven-day home strand against uh, Fort Wayne and against Lake County, they got help from the defenders. The, the night before, there was an error that scored um, – the first run of the game, and then Ryan Noda hit a two-run homer, which was huge. And last night, it was, you know, the defense not being able to make plays. We saw wild pitches. We saw pass balls late in the ball game. But the most important thing about that, uh, that comeback by the Lansing Lugnuts is the fact that Godinho and Lundquist got hit by two pitches on back-to-back um, on -back at-bats starting that bottom of the ninth inning. And when you put two runners on, you know the pitcher doesn't have control. And I'm sure Matty Young, the hitting coach, is just saying, hey, listen, you got to, you know, pick your pitch, and have good at-bats. That's been one part of the week, the Lugnuts' wild comebacks. Let me ask you about the Lugnuts starting pitching now. Jensi Diaz and Zach Logue both going up. How about Maverick Buffo and Maximo Castillo stepping up? Maximo Castillo had his best game of the season in his last outing. He was good in the first inning. Second inning struggled a little bit, allowed two runs. But after that, he settled down, picked up, a couple strikeouts, nine in total in that ball game. Didn't give up a lot of hard contact. We saw Tony Costras talk to Maximo Castillo in that second inning saying, hey, listen, you gave up three singles. You gave up two runs, but these are little loopers, you know, into the outfield. So that was nice to see from Maximo Castillo. And then Maverick Buffo has just been awesome over the last few games. It's going to be so nice to have Graham Spraker back in the rotation. I think Turner Larkins is pitching well as, uh, as well. But again, it's that slider that is key to Maverick Buffo's uh, last few outings for him. Let's talk about your player and pitcher for the month of May. Who do you want to honor for Lansing? Well, honestly, I'm, I'm probably going to have, I would probably have to give it to Zach Logue, even though he got called up. I thought he was absolutely dominant, um, especially, you know, pitching a game in South Bend an hour and 56 minutes. You don't see that too often. Tony Costras, the Lansing Lugnuts pitching coach, said that he was, you know, pitching high. He was using the change of blow outside, inside. And whenever you can command all four sides of the plate, you're going to have success. So um, from a guy that pitched so well, I'm probably going to have to give him the Lansing Lugnuts pitcher of the month, although he's called up. But I guess an honorable mention for me is going to have to go 
uh, to Danny Jimenez out of the lands he loved on bullpen. He has really turned it around, had three strikeouts in his last game. So an honorable mention for that. For the Lancy Lug, that's for the hitter of the month. Although Kevin Smith was called up to Dunedin, I would have to give it to him. He was batting 360 with the Lancy Lug nuts. He had a game-tying triple the other night. But outside of that, I think a guy that deserves uh, a hitter of the month that's currently on this roster is Chavez Young. We look at the last homestand. He batted 415 over the last seven games. He is hitting the baseball hard. He's getting doubles. He's stealing bases. He is playing great defense. And Jesse, last night, we saw him designated hit uh, for the first time this season. He's a guy that's played in the field every day, and he's been consistent. Dante DeCaria, you can find him on Twitter, at Diamond underscore Dante. The Lansing Lugnuts, LansingLugnuts.com. They are embarking today, starting up a 13-game, 14-day road trip that's going to take them all the way up until June 15th, and then 15th, 16th, 17th, three games at home to end the first half. The Lugnuts currently in position to make the playoffs, punching that ticket to the Midwest League postseason, because at the half system, those records will reset at the All-Star break. Dante, thank you very much for joining us this week. Always fun to talk to you, Jesse. Beautiful. And from single-A Lansing, up the ladder to A-Advanced Dunedin, let me bring in Jim Tarabokia from the DJs. Jim, how has your last week gone? Uh, Good. Thank you, Jesse. How are you? Doing well. This is our comeback episode. Any memorable rallies from the first two months of the of the season? Uh, no, I mean we've had a couple of rallies here and there where um, we've we've scored in bunches late in games. We did it uh, about a week ago. Uh, unfortunately, we fell in that game, but we ended up scoring four in the seventh, um, almost tying the game, but we fell a little bit short. Um, so we, you know we came close um, a couple of times you know, here and there to win those close games. But uh, we've had a couple of rallies um, that have come, you know, from the sixth inning on where we scored in bunches. Let me check in with my fellas, the guys promoted up from Lansing. What was your first impression of Zach Logan, Jensi Diaz? Uh, you know what? I actually didn't see uh, Zach Logue, but uh, Yancy, uh has a really good fastball. I'm very impressed. Unfortunately, he ran out of gas. Um, he got a little bit wild and lost a little bit of his command late in the uh, in the outing that he had. But um, I'm very impressed, and I think he's really going to help this rotation out a lot. For you, who are your pitcher? Let's let's start there. Who's your pitcher for the month of May for Dunedin? Um, you know, looking at it, I think um, there's. A, I have to go with Taylor Salcedo, tonight's starter. I mean, I could go with Angel Perdomo, but, you know, Salcedo's won three of his last five outings. Um, you know, this month, well, actually, the month of May, I keep forgetting that the calendar's turned to June. But uh, in May, he went three and one. His ERA was under three in five games and five starts. So um, he uh, he was um, the star- at least the starting pitcher of the month, if not the pitcher of the month, um, you know, for us last last month in May. All right. How about your position player of the month? Yeah, you know, we have a lot of guys, um, you know, who kind of skidded a little bit here and there. Um, you know, one week they'd be going well, and then the next week, um, not so much. So um, there's one guy, though, that, that, that sticks out in my mind, and that's Edward Pinto. Um, you know, he was the Florida State League player of the week a couple of weeks ago, and he's also the hardest guy to strike out in the league. One strikeout in every 13 total plate appearances, that's the best ratio in the league. So, 
Um, I'd go with Edward Pinto. Uh, he was he has been really the anchor in our uh, lineup that at times has really fluctuated from doing well to not so much. And that, you know you get that in baseball. It's not a knock on any of these guys as hitters and as ball players, but Edward Pinto was really the most solid in the month of May. Joined by Jim Tarabokio talking about the advanced Dunedin Blue Jays. You have an all-star. You have Travis Bergen. Were you expecting any other players to make the all-star game? And was Bergen a surprise to you? No, Bergen wasn't. I was expecting, um, I was expecting uh, Jackson McClellan, even though he struggled the last couple of outings, for him to make the all-star team. I was expecting Angel Perdomo to make it as well, uh, Taylor Salcedo. Um, and Edward Pinto, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, I think those guys kind of got the shaft, and I don't think it's all that fair. Um, I think they all are deserving of uh, of getting there. But, um, you know, I don't really think it bothers them. I think, you know, uh, they're just focused on um, doing their jobs out there every time. And, and um, you know, they're, they're team guys, team-oriented guys, all of them. And uh, I, don't, I don't really think it's crossed much of their mind. But uh, I, I think they understand. They're, they're confident enough young men to where they understand that the numbers are there, you know, and, and the talent is there. And just because they weren't named to the all-star team doesn't mean that they weren't deserving or anything like that. So um, I, I think a couple of guys, you know, like I mentioned, could have made it, but unfortunately they didn't. I don't really think it's going to bother them all that much, and it shouldn't because they're all super talented. A question sent in from Bluebird Banter. What are your thoughts on this year's new extra inning rules? I love it. You know, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it really helps. First of all, it helps Charlie uh, a lot. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, try to figure all this out. You know, if a game goes 15 innings, which is, you know, at times, I think in today's world, I'm I'm still an old school type of guy when it comes to, um, you know, professional baseball. But I think, you know, there are times where it just comes to a point where, you know, you just want the game to end already, you know, because there's a quick turnaround the next day, whatever the case may be. And there's so many factors that are involved. And like I mentioned with Charlie, you know, he's got to make the roster moves, you know, and, and, the whole, and you know, Gil and all these guys have to make these roster moves and it's, it's a lot easier for them and the games still go quicker. And I, you know, I, I like it personally. I think, um, you know, it, it really fits well because guys, you know, they're not charged with the earned run if they give up that run. Um, and it makes for pretty exciting baseball too. And, and, and you have to really, you know, at times think strategically too, how do you get that runner over to third? You know, you have your number three hitter up. Do you drop down a bunt? Well, if he's, you know, probably not, right? But you want to get that guy over to thirds, and then there's one out, and you get a guy who comes up next and knocks him in with the fly ball. So I, I think it, it, it gives you some, some things to think about, and I, I think it's great. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a big improvement, you know, this year for minor league baseball. And at first I wasn't keen on it, but then hearing all the reasons why and then seeing it now, I, I like it. Jim Tarabokia on Twitter is at Jim Tara. The Dunedin Blue Jays are hosting Tampa starting up tonight. Tampa playing at Dunedin, the DJ's record 20 and 30. Jim, I'm eager for you to see more action out of Kevin Smith. Only one game so far. I think you're really going to enjoy watching him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, too. I talked to him today. He seems like a really level-headed guy and, um, you know, a mature player, College, coming from, from college, um, you know, from what I've heard, he's got a good approach. So I'm really looking forward, Jesse, to watching him hit. Beautiful. Jim, thank you very much for taking the time today. Hey, take care, Jesse. You too. Well, I'm Jesse goldberg Strassler. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. We've talked double-A uh, New Hampshire, A-Advanced Dunedin, single-A Lansing. Let me answer my opinion about that question. 
with regard to extra innings because I would think that was a good one sent in via Bluebird banter. Opinions about the new rules. Does it favor the home team more since they know whether or not they should sack bunt with the leadoff hit? My answer is yes. My answer is yes, it does give that home team the advantage. The Lugnuts went down last Saturday by one run. The team that they were facing scored that runner at second base in the top half of the inning. And the player who came up to home plate was Kevin Smith. There was great speed at second base. I think at least Smith launched a triple off the right field wall. The runner came in, and Smith was 90 feet away from scoring. And the same thing held true. If that runner at second base, you know you need a run. The batter immediately singles him in. Now you're tied up. You've got the game-winning run on at first base. So I've seen an increase in energy, an increase in excitement. There's just a feel of that pitcher better get something done. And if the pitcher in the top half of the inning uh, gets the first batter, if he's able to pitch with one out in the runner at second base, then you understand all you have to do is get a ground out, a fly out, and even if the runner moves over to third base, you're one out away from stranding that runner, and then all you have to do is bring that runner from second base. You can get the job done. That home field advantage is a very real thing. That's what I've seen so far. The Lugnuts so far have only played three extra inning games. In the first one, they held the other team scoreless in the top half, walked off with a run in the bottom half. In the second one, they gave up a run in the top half of the 10th inning, scored two in the bottom half of the 10th inning. And in the third one, they gave up two runs in the top half of the 10th inning. This was yesterday's game. Immediately, with that runner at second base, there was a fly ball hit to left field. It was dropped by the Lake County captains. Cleveland Indians affiliate, uh, left fielder Jose Medina. At second base, Kevin Bacuna tried to move up. He was thrown out. But Brock Lundquist followed with a two-run homer, and so the game was tied up once more. I've seen a lot of excitement from it. Let me ask Pat Malacaro now. Pat, what are your thoughts about the new extra inning rules this year? Well, Jesse, if, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm not a big fan of them. I'm still a very uh, big traditionalist. I understand um, at this level in, in minor league baseball, you know, it, it's about testing out new rules, and we've seen the pace of play rule, I think, work effectively uh, early on in this institution of the pitch clock and in between inning clock. Um, but to me, I don't know. There's just something about putting a runner on base. It, it really does feel like, um, you know, it feels like you're playing, uh, you know, recreational softball to some extent where you put a guy on base and, and uh you know, it, it, it's helped in some aspects, but the Bisons have also played multiple inning extra inning games. So um, I, I don't know that that rule necessarily is working to its fullest effect or we've necessarily seen it being um, utilized by teams all that well. It does strike me as similar to college football, where you'll go from a 4-4 four to four game or a 5-5 to five game, and suddenly the runs start piling up. Yeah, I mean, that's what we saw the, the first night of the season in Pawtucket. Uh, the Bisons played an extra inning game against the Paw Sox, and it went, uh, I believe, 12 or 13 innings that night, I believe 12. And there were some runs scored, and it was one of those back and forth, uh, you know, different approaches, different innings, but runs seemed to be scored, and uh, it was going to be who, who could be stopped last uh, in terms of uh, who, who wouldn't score a run last seem like would be the difference in the game and uh you know again is, is that the solution maybe it, it is long term but uh as of right now i just don't see it as being one of those um good rules for for baseball joined by the voice of the herd pat malacaro pat this is our comeback edition of around the nest what what are some memorable rallies some comebacks for you from the herd in the first two months of the season 
Well, just yesterday was one of them. Uh, the Bisons were down by a run going into the ninth inning, and uh, for the first time after trailing after eight innings, the team came back and scored a victory yesterday. Um, Roman Fields helped use his speed in, in, on the bases in the ninth, and then uh, Tim Lopes had a sacrifice fly on a, on a line drive into right field. Uh, Bisons took advantage of uh, the same extra inning rule that I'm you know, not the biggest fan of, but it, it worked there where uh, the Bisons were able to, Justin Schaefer was able to keep uh, the Columbus Clippers from scoring in the top of the inning. And then with the runner on second, uh, the Bisons were able to use a little bit of small ball to uh, move them around and, and win it. So uh, that is the one right there that sticks out. And uh, there was another extra inning game here earlier in the season. It was a walk-off win, but uh, not necessarily a comeback. But uh, walk-off win, wins have been uh, – there have been a couple here in Buffalo. It seems to me, just looking at Roman, his April was tough, his May had been tough, and then within the last week, he's been tremendous. He has. Now, uh, the one thing for Roman has been he's been uh, caught on the base pass a little bit, which is very uncharacteristic. He's now 9 for 15. So he's hitting the ball well, he's seeing the ball well, he plays a great outfield. And that's one thing here uh, in Buffalo. We've been very fortunate now into the sixth year of the affiliation with the Blue Jays. The outfield has always been strong, and it feels like the Bisons always have three center fielders in the outfield. And with Roman, he makes it look effortless in center. seems like any ball hit in either the alleys or in straightaway center, no matter how deep or how, how far he has to go, it's effortless strides just sort of gliding uh, along the grass and making the play. So uh, while there are aspects of his game that um, are, I think teams are starting to catch on to his ability to steal bases. Look, if you, Still 43 bases lead the league last year and uh, set a, a Bison Montanero record for a single season in stolen bases. Teams are going to start to figure out a little bit. And now I think it's that next adjustment, adjustment that will uh, take Roman's game even to that, that, that next level. Pat, thank you very much for taking the time this week. Thanks, Jesse. Looking forward to the next week. Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Straffler. This has been Around the Nest. We'll check back in in seven days for today. Enjoy the baseball.